Right, take it away, Ash. Go for it. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, for inviting me to do this. Um, my name's Ash, and I'm a person in recovery. Um, this is my first time doing this, so bear with me. Um, I have been sober for 10 months and some change, 314 days, or my favorite right now is 42 days away from a year because Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, ultimate answer to question, life, everything. Um, also, I realized um, when I was trying to think of things to say that right now is 20 years since I had my first drink. Um, I thought was kind of, I, I really like numbers and I really like patterns, <laughs> kind of my jam, but yeah, I had my first drink at a, at two beers on July 3rd, thought I was a tank, had nine cocktails the next day at a uh, 4th of July party. Um, yeah, so I came from a family of all kinds of addicts and they didn't just pick one sort of thing. We kind of hopped around to whatever suited them for a year or two or three or four. Um, my dad was definitely the drinker and it was pretty rough, um, to put it lightly. Narcissist with a drinking problem. Better than when he was on meth, though. Um, I was kind of the golden child in my family. My brother was the troublemaker, so I could do no wrong. C's were fine. I passed, wasn't banned, blah, blah, blah. I basically was a family mediator, which means that when I started drinking, it nobody, nobody noticed, nobody cared. Um, in fact, that party I went to that first, that 4th of July, I called my mom really, really drunk and told her I was going to stay at a friend's house, a male friend's house. And she's like, okay, sweetie. And the next day she said, I got a free pass. But um, yeah, they just really didn't care. Big do it in the home kind of thing. Don't go out and do it. Uh, my brother had a lot of, he's a big drinker. Really, really big drinker. Um, and as older brothers, I, I looked up to him for a long time. And we had this really tiny window of bonding when we were both drinking but he got sober because he had to but he got sober before me and he still rubs it in my face um I have like all the acronyms by the way and like mostly the ADHD is running the show right now because I was like I'm gonna over prepare and then I under I don't I under prepared <laughs> um but basically I didn't, I was undiagnosed with the ADHD and autism. And I remember just growing up wishing, really, really wishing that there was something wrong with me just to make, make anything make sense. So when I started drinking, people seemed to get along with me better. My jokes worked. Um, I don't know if it was me or them, but Real quick, somebody said they preferred me that way, and I decided to stick it out for a while. Um, <laughs> I am going to avoid. I've I've written so much since getting sober because of the Tess Nua writers room. Um, 
and I keep just wanting to like default and use those words, but I'm gonna try to do this. Um, it was a lot growing up in my house, getting it, golden child mediator. Um, my mom was addicted to tranquilizers when I was really young. And nobody talked about going through withdrawals or getting off of anything. Nobody ever admitted they were addicted to anything. So when she got off tranquilizers, uh, she never quite bounced back depression-wise. And even though I'm the youngest member of the family, I was basically, I was her person. I was her best friend. So I was there to help her during her first suicide attempt when I was probably nine or 10. And then the second one, I was 17. I took her to the hospital. Then another one later. Um, and it's only been since getting sober and her death that I really wrapped my brain around this. See, wibbly wobbly, we're gonna go all over today. Um, but I found drinking and I just knew that I could quiet things down. Nothing, um, I didn't need to say the things. I didn't have to be the one who made the waves. I didn't have to be another burden in the family or uh, like, the, I didn't have to, I didn't have to make things worse. And oh, sorry. Um, basically, I cruised through my 20s and I thought it was just the most amazing thing. I could talk to anyone. I thought I was funnier. Um, I have plenty of stories that I'm really glad to say I'm still alive after. Um, but <laughs> I did not know how to handle grief. And when I was trying, I'm not kind of doing my steps. Um, but when I started just trying to think back to like when the self-destructive cycle started, I had three different starting points every time I looked at it because, you know, it changed, evolved, but I lost my dog and I was not prepared for that at all. I'd never lost anybody that I was close to. And I got that dog when I was 18. Some people buy cigarettes or whatever. And I, I ran out and adopted a dog and lied. Put my friend on the phone said they were my parent. Got a nearly hundred pound mastiff at age eighteen that I got to cart around through apartments for the next decade, and that dog kept me safe and alive. And he was amazing. But when he passed away, we were moving into this house. Getting me and my partner were getting this house, and it was moving. And I lost my best friend. My dog was everything, and. That was when I learned that I didn't even have to be sneaky. Grief to me was a free pass. I could just drink whatever I want, as much as I want, as long as I wanted. Because nobody called me on it. And aside from like the occasional yelling, crying, take off my shoes, leave the house with no cell phone thing I did I like to do. I that was only like once or twice a year, but it was all just fine for me to be drinking at home alone and then I don't even know how that lasted all the way till 2019 that was three years 
in 2019, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer and we moved her in immediately to our house so she could live with us and I could try to take care of her. I didn't, I don't have kids. I've only had animals. I was not expecting to take care of a parent at 32. Um, and five months to the day as of yesterday was the anniversary of it. Um, she passed away and it all just, it was so heavy and I was so unprepared for like how to cope with that whatsoever. Um, crying in the shower was my, my jam. Um, that was my absolute favorite thing to do. You just sit down and you cry. And my family really like, they totally abandoned the situation, us, my brother, we don't actually get along, but, um, he was gaslighting me and being absolutely terrible. And I still, I'm, I'm getting better about not beating myself up about it, but I can still hear her moving in and within a week saying, I knew you guys drank, but I didn't know how much. And I really hate that she never got to see me get sober. Um, but yeah, I, after, I didn't learn much from my dog dying, although it's very different, your dog and your, your mom, who you have, uh, what's the word, enmeshment. <laughs> I was her best friend and I shouldn't have been, but I didn't know that till she died which is why I was a wreck for like a year. That's not even a good number because what happened was she passed away in July, 2019 and then <laughs> pandemic hit. And so we just kept drinking my business. I had for over a decade. We were number two in the area. Wedding photographers just stopped and sunk and I let it go without a fight. And that was really brutal. Um, I just, I knew something had to give. I knew something had to change. Um, I, August 22nd of last year, I was still going through my mom's things because I haven't gotten rid of enough of them, but I was going through her things and I was like, I'm going to go through my journals because I, I respectfully destroyed hers. <laughs> they said, do not enter, but I wanted to go through mine. And what I found was that since age 19, I've been begging myself to quit drinking, to quit doing drugs, quit smoking. And I couldn't even legally drink. And the names and the places were different, but it was the same, just, just like several like fat notebooks, just full of the same stuff over and over. And after my mom passed away, I did go into a lot of therapy and I did a lot of like inner child stuff that I thought was really cheesy, but now I have all these pictures of myself around my desk at different ages. And I just read those journals and I looked at those pictures and I was fucking heartbroken that I put that person through all of that. Um, my health anxiety was so bad. I, I literally couldn't go like two hours without Googling WebMD, Reddit, anything. Um, and it just made me, it, it still makes me really sad to think that I did that to her. Um, 
I feel like that was all over and it was a lot of random babble. The thing that got me to quit drinking was reading those journal entries. And then I really wanted a video game that my friends had. And I didn't have money for it, but I was going to download it anyway. So I did. And then I realized that there wasn't room on my console for it. So I had to go on Amazon and order things. And I just ordered everything off my wish list. And I woke up. I was just so disappointed and sick of my shit. I was just so disappointed. And I had quit drinking twice before, but it was nothing like I'm done that I experienced on August 23rd. I was just done. Um, and I'm really grateful. I've learned just so much in the last 10 months about like who I am. Um, the things that I drink to mask and cover up. And also it has been unmasking my autism. So like to be in recovery rooms and be just so supported when I can't stop <laughs> wiggling or doing whatever or my hold music when I, I host a meeting and I love it so much. It makes me so happy to do that. I love it. I love doing that service. Um, it's just been the most amazing place to practice things and learn and grow and I want to read I want to read one thing that I wrote it's not a poem don't worry no one gone poetry um but on April 21st when my mom was still sick 2019 I wrote myself something and I like to read it fairly often um, so I was still drinking and this was something I wrote as soon as I woke up and I was hungover. Future you, you've written this letter yourself more times than you can count. You felt the weight and anxiety of an intense, inescapable pit of your own making. One that's filled with torment and anguish more times than you can count. You are hungover. And soon the shame over will ease up and you'll start to downplay how bad it really was. So you can do it again and again. When you're sober, you get to enjoy your mornings. You're a morning person and you're suffocating that bright part of you, that core piece of you that wakes up optimistic and energetic, singing silly songs, playing with dogs. It's sleep again because it's cozy, not because you can't bear to subject the world or yourself to your own existence. Um, think of a shame over it's black and white, life and death. When your eyes open, all you can think about is a very specific way of ending your life. I made a list of 14 thoughts that I just ruminated and circled on. Uh, number one is no one should have to know me. Number two is I am worth less than even worthless describes. Three, I'm ruining my partner's life. Four, they deserve someone better. I wish they wouldn't have met me. Five, I'm actively killing my mother. Uh, six, what kind of person can't provide even minimal level of care for a sick and dying parent? Seven, what kind of person can't keep a clean house? Yeah, I, I, that's that. A lot of these are funny now. Anyway, uh, what kind of person naps all day? Uh, you have no self-control. Uh, you don't want to kill yourself, but at the same time, you think being gone sounds great. And replaying the night before as uneventful or disastrous as it was it doesn't matter you will hate yourself just as much if you stay up drinking and playing video games as if you stayed up picking a fight 
don't forget there's a physical pressure pain nausea shame that squeezes you from your neck to your belly and it does not go away quick it's less preferable to laying on a dirty bathroom floor and throwing up 14 you only know resignation for life and can't remember what embracing it means there's been many times you felt like you were ready to get sober after a heavy night of drinking most of them involve something to be embarrassed of getting out of hand tantrum smoking but this time now is what you should be scared of the fact that you have enough experience with the drinking to behave yourself and still invest in that terrible next day. Um, I read that a lot because I just, I'm so grateful to myself for sending my, having that message to revisit. Anytime I'm questioning why I'm doing this or why I'm not going to drink today, and it's just remembering the years and years and years of unnecessary depression and anxiety. I come with enough for my family on my own anyway. I, I didn't need to do that to myself. I wrote another letter to myself about being afraid I wouldn't be cool anymore, but that's like really kind of embarrassing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I still can't believe I'm doing a share. <laughs> like I'm in a room doing this right now um I, I still like it makes sense I'm the sober but like it's still just I would have never imagined ever and I'm so grateful because I've met some of those important people in my life they've taught me that's a big statement whatever I'll say it um they've taught me a lot about being okay with myself and safe and having feelings and feeling the feelings and getting through life being like me. And I've, the writer's room, I, <laughs> thank you for inviting me, Steph. Um, it changed the game because I loved to write. I loved it. I wanted to be a writer when I was young and I never, I try not to miss a meeting. I've written like something like 65 poems in the last 10 months or like 80 pages or something ridiculous. And I don't even know what I'm going to do with them, but it's, it feels all my art, all my art feels so much better. And for me, and like, I'm really being kind and giving myself that gift. And yep, I think I walked in circles and spookled around a whole bunch. And I don't know if anything in there was anything, but um, I'm going to call it there. Uh, <laughs> thanks for letting me share.